Section 13 of Other People's Lives. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Other People's Lies by Rosa Nuchette Carey. Book 5 The Ordeal of Hannah Markham. Chapter 2 A Dumb Devil. Before many months had passed, Hannah Markham knew in her secret heart that she had made the great mistake of her life in marrying Stephen and yet strange to say she loved him as for stephen he worshipped her very shadow but his nature was singularly undemonstrative and he lacked the power of expression during their courting days and the first two or three weeks of their early married life while the wonder and delight of his new possession had transformed him for the time into another man his devotion had fully satisfied hannah he seemed never happy away from her and haunted the place as any ordinary lover might have done but by and by he relapsed into his old habits if only hannah had understood her husband's complex nature but she was a warm-hearted impulsive creature and she mistook his retinence for coldness stephen did not love his young wife less because he preferred spending his evenings in his workshed making a grand cabinet for her parlor instead of walking with her to sandy point or great ditton but when hannah sick at heart and weary of her mother-in-law's sour silence took to going over to brentwood and remaining for an hour or two at the forge chatting with her mother and laughing and joking with her brothers stephen felt sore and injured it was not meet for a young wife to be always trapezing up and down the brentwood road he said a little sharply when a woman married her place was at home and under her husband's roof and he did not hold with such feckless ways if only hannah had her temper under control and answered him mildly stephen's wrath would have been quickly appeased but instead of that she broke into tears and passionate reproaches why should she not go to her old home to see her parents and brothers and sisters why should steve grudge her a little pleasure when the day's work was done did he think his mother such good company when she scarcely opened her lips until bedtime and so on with the quick childish petulance that was natural to her why did you not tell me that i was to be a prisoner when you married me went on hannah with angry sobs but stephen made her no answer he gave her a dark look and went on with his turning and hannah flung out of the shed little knowing the bitter storm she had raised stephen felt cruelly hurt 
hannah could not have much love for him if his wishes were nothing to her surely a husband had a right to express an opinion hannah was so young and inexperienced that she needed guidance and control she is repenting already that we are wed he said to himself and that night the demon of jealousy awoke in the man's soul if only hannah had had a wiser confidant but nance reed was an injustice woman and she gave her daughter the worst possible advice you must not humor steve too much nanny she said the next evening when hannah walked over to the forge with her grievance it is not safe to let a man always get his way or he will be putting his foot down just for the pleasure of it ah they are a masterful lot even the best of them but it is not for a wife to cringe like a worm in the dust you must speak your mind to him my woman why what ails steve that he should take such a notion in his head he says it is not for a newly wedded wife to be always traipsing on the road returned hannah with a hysterical giggle fiddle dee dee returned nance scornfully did ever a body hear such drivel steve must have lost his wits to talk such nonsense my master kept me pretty tightly when we were first wed but he was never so crazy as that does not a woman need the air as much when she is married trapezing the road indeed and nance tossed her calmly head why does not steve walk with you if he does not like the notion of your going alone that is what i tell him returned hannah eagerly but he always makes out that so much walking is waste of time he likes better to be in that horrid old workshop of his i think work is just play to him i have left him at it now looking as glum as possible but he never said one word when i told him where i was going and mother-in-law was just as silent oh mother went on hannah passionately i feel sometimes as though the pair of them would drive me silly it's like living with two dummies who have lost their speech sometimes i just talk aloud for the pleasure of hearing a voice poor lass replied her mother pityingly didn't i tell your father that if you ever made up with steve markham you would repent your bargain and now in three months my words have come true but with the strange inconsistency of her sex hannah no sooner heard her husband vilified than she began to defend him nay mother you must not be too hard on steve with all his masterful ways he has been good to me and it was through his taking my part that his mother has been so civil lately and he spends all his spare time working for me if only our natures were not so different if he were 
only more of a talker but there i must just put up with him and hannah rose from her seat with a sigh no you must not go yet nanny returned nance with foolish good nature a woman better versed in human nature would have recommended her daughter to go home as quickly as possible no i will not part with you your father will be in directly and jim and dick with him and they will be fine and glad to see you sit down my lass while i take the cake out of the oven and then hannah silencing an inward voice that whispered to her to go sat down again and joined the merry party that gathered round the table and soon her ringing laugh sounded through the open door and reached the ears of a man coming up the road stephen markham never quite knew what put it in his head to follow his wife but when hannah had left the workshop he had fought a hard battle with himself hannah's mutinous spirit and want of wifely submission had angered him sorely she had set herself against him and absolutely defied him and then when he thought of the future and how this first breach might widen between them a chill fear came over him perhaps he had been over strict with the lass he had not minded the difference of her upbringing she was young and lively and his mother's glum ways tried her she is like a bird anxious to fly back to the old nest he thought and then his eyes gleamed and softened and his heart heaved with his passionate love no this once he would not be hard on her he would put by his work and dress himself and walk over to the forge and bring her back if only hannah had not suffered herself to be persuaded to stay he would have met her halfway and his heart would have danced with joy at the unexpected sight and in spite of his undemonstrative nature steve would have drawn her to his side with a word of endearment at such moments she would be his jewel his good little lass or his pretty nanny and then the sunshine of his rare smile would have enfolded her but alas stephen markham's evil genius was in the ascendant that evening and as he leant against the pawlings of the forge garden a moment reluctant to join the family party hannah's ringing laugh reached his ear he is a dour ill-conditioned chap and you have made a bad bargain nanny observed a lad's voice nay nay i'll not listen to that jem returned hannah but she laughed again how was stephen to guess that jem was only talking of the black bantam who was such a fighter stephen turned away but did not go home giles Worrell, a farmer living at grand ditton met him an hour later walking up the road to sandy point like a man possessed 
he had a dumb devil gills said shrugging his shoulders for he had given him a neighborly good evening and had met with no response and then he shook his head meaningly jem walked home with his sister and left her at the door hannah who was a little ashamed of herself when she knew the lateness of the hour was half inclined to apologize to her husband but when deborah told her that the workshed was locked and that stephen was out hannah became uneasy i thought he was with you for he took the brentwood road went on deborah and then she looked suspiciously at her daughter-in-law had they quarreled already why were they spending the evening apart but before she had time to put the question hannah had caught sight of stephen coming slowly up the path and with her usual impulsiveness she ran to meet him oh steve where have you been she said quickly and would have taken his arm but he shook her off as though her touch angered him he was dog-tired and had worked himself into one of his silent rages gill's whirl was not far wrong when he said a dumb devil possessed him all of his life stephen markham had at times felt an evil spirit striving within him for the mastery nay i am not accountable to thee for my movements he said rudely and then he pushed by her and went into the house hannah was so taken aback by this rebuff the first she had ever had from him that she hardly knew whether to laugh or cry she stood half dazed as he went to the larder and brought himself out some food and drink she did not dare offer to assist him his mother only smiled sourly as she turned the heel of her stocking i knew it she said to herself the wrench has angered him past bearing with her giddy ways steve has such notions for his age didn't i tell him that if he married nance reed's daughter he would live to repent his folly but deborah's hands were cold and shaking as she put up her wool hannah lingered timidly in the background she was afraid of her husband in this mood she would have humbled herself if he had given her the least opening but stephen seemed unconscious of her presence when he had finished his supper he went into the woodyard slamming the cottage door after him and hannah went to her bed and cried herself to sleep from this day the breach widened perceptibly between the wife and husband hannah who was ailing and miserable brooded silently over her troubles or sought comfort in her mother's sympathy as the months went on the atmosphere of her home became unbearable to her and she pined like a plant 
shut up in a dark cellar her bright color faded and her face looked white and pinched deborah grew anxious about her at last and spoke to her son privately you must not be too hard on her steve she said to him pleadingly i doubt the lass is not over well she is a young thing and young things need plenty of patience but stephen who was in an evil mood only scoffed at this she is only sulking a bit because she cannot get her way he said flinging the words at his mother so loudly that hannah heard them but she has found out that i mean to be master for there had been a sad scene at the cottage stephen half maddened by hannah's perversity and his own jealousy had forbidden her at last to go to the forge and his manner had been so wild and menacing that hannah for the first time had been completely cowed could stephen have been drinking she wondered his face had been flushed of late and even deborah seemed anxious about him hannah she said more than once during those dark days steve is a bit hard at times but it would be best to humor him he has taken the wrong bit in his mouth and giles worrell tells me he has been seen lately at the fox and hounds if you could be a little cheerful with him instead of giving a cold shoulder when he comes in of an evening try my lass but hannah sick at heart took no notice of this appeal her heart was turning against her husband he was making her a prisoner in her own house she wanted her mother and when deborah coaxed her to eat bringing her homely dainties that she had cooked herself hannah only turned peevishly away it was not food she wanted or any other creature comfort it was only sunshine and cheerfulness and kindly words but stephen angered at what he chose to consider hannah's temper and sullenness only gave her dark looks when he came in for his meals and yet if hannah owned only guessed that her own disappointment and heart sickness were not to be compared to stephen's that the man's heart was slowly breaking within him his young wife had no love for him she loathed the very sight of him and indeed stephen's unshorn haggard face and the sombre fire in his eyes seemed to repel hannah one evening when there were sharp words between them stephen who had been drinking freely at the fox and hounds so lost all control over himself that he actually lifted up his hand to strike her then deborah rushed between them with a face like death and hung with all her feeble force on his arm no my lad she said gently you must not do that steve hannah is your own flesh a man is bound to reverence his wife 
speak to him kindly my wrench he is more angered at himself than at you but hannah's passionate resentment would not listen to this stephen had lifted up his cruel hand against her but for his mother's interference he would have struck her what if he had been drinking was that any excuse shame on you stephen she said angrily only a coward would strike his wedded wife i will not stay here to be ill-treated heaven knows that my life has been hateful ever since i entered this house but i will put up with it no longer hannah hannah my wrench for god's sake speak him fair but deborah's voice of agonized entreaty failed to reach her daughter-in-law then stephen driven to frenzy by hannah's hysterical words seized his wife roughly by the arm oh you need not be feared mistress he said rudely i will not strike a poor pulling thing like thee but you shall listen to me i will not have you carry tales to the forge mind that you are my wife and i will master you somehow bide here quietly and though i am angered i will do you no harm but if you leave this house tonight you will find it barred against you and then he flung her from him and went out and shut himself in the workshop hannah pushed up her sleeve and looked at her arm stephen's savage grip had left a dark bruise on her tender flesh deborah glanced at it in a pity hannah she said soothingly the poor lad never meant to hurt you he fairly worships the ground you walk on it maddens him to see you so contrary if you would only say a kind word to him he would be shamed and ask pardon but hannah only sobbed hysterically i will not bear it she said passionately no one has ever raised a hand against me before and then she laid her cheek tenderly against the bruise bemoaning herself in her petulant childish way poor hannah she was a little better than a child she was so wayward and undisciplined when deborah tried to coax and soothe her she refused to be comforted dry your eyes my wrench and i will set on the kettle and make you a cup of tea she said tenderly you have eaten next to nothing and now all this upset has taken the heart out of you but hannah disregarded this good advice she was sick and faint and there was a strange sinking at her heart she was ill and deborah knew it and all her motherly compassion was aroused sit down in the big chair and i will have tea ready in a twinkling she went on and when hannah made no answer she thought the worst of the storm was over 
it was a warm september evening and the fire had been lighted in the outer scullery and there deborah busied herself with her preparations but her limbs trembled and she moved slowly these constant scenes were sapping her strength she was growing old and wanted peace and a little quiet for her life had been a hard one and now her heart was sore with the thought of her son's misery a he had bruised his own heart more than he had bruised her arm she said to herself as she took down a gaily painted cup and saucer and then a little scene returned to her memory hannah had been busy rolling out some dough when stephen had come into the house on some errand and had lingered to watch her at her task hannah had tucked up her sleeves to prevent the flour from touching them and her white arms looked very round and fair suddenly stephen had stooped and kissed one dimpled elbow a real lover's kiss my little nanny he had said tenderly and hannah had blushed with pleasure and now the dark grip of his fingers had obliterated all memory of that kiss oh the pity of it she thought and then as the tea-tray was ready she carried it in but hannah had gone she was not in the parlor nor in her bedroom and when deborah with a sad misgiving at her heart went out of the garden gate she could just see a dark figure running quickly down the brentwood road deborah felt sorely frightened was the wrench mad to play a trick on her like that if she had had strength she would have followed her to the forge and compelled her to return and neither she nor her mother could have resisted her appeal but alas she had no power to accomplish half the distance i must do the best i can she muttered and then she carried the little tray into the workshop stephen was sitting on his workman's bench but his head was in his hands he looked up impatiently when his mother laid her hand on his shoulder i have brought you some tea steve she said gently you are tired and fevered and there is no medicine like it take a cup to please me lad but he only shook his head i care not for it he said mechanically for one wild moment he had thought it was his wife's hand that had lifted the latch if she had come to seek him if she had looked at him without anger or taunting scorn in her eyes he would have knelt at her feet and prayed her to pardon his violence it is the drink he had moaned more than once it was as though some devil had got hold of me and i would have struck her my little nanny savage brute that i was no wonder she shrank away from me if i go on like this i shall make her hate me let me see 
three drink let me see thee drink some tea lad persisted deborah and she held the cup to his lips as though he were a child and then stephen yielded deborah carried away the empty cup but when she was outside the door she stood still for a moment ah woe is me she said with a little tearless sob this is a weary world and there is naught but bitterness in it my lad is just breaking his heart over his own hardness but when he comes in and finds hannah gone there will not be one devil but a legion and then she sat down and took up her knitting stephen did not return to the house until it was growing dark when he found his mother alone in the kitchen he looked at her for a moment in a fierce questioning way then he refrained himself and went upstairs afterwards she heard him moving about the parlor when he came back he made a pretense of taking his supper but very little food passed his lips then he went out into the garden and the woodyard and finally when the clock struck ten he came in and began bolting the door deborah watched him there is no need for that steve she said with a little laugh go to bed lad and when hannah comes in i will tell her not to disturb you but stephen's sole answer was a fierce oath the bolt was a little rusty with disuse and he had some difficulty with it but it shot into its place at last then he fastened the scullery door and took out the key if hannah knocks you can tell her to go back to the forge he said and then before deborah could answer he had gone upstairs and she heard him lock himself in meanwhile hannah was driving down the brentwood road in gil Worrell's covered gig his business had detained him in brentwood until late that night and as he was passing the forge george reed had asked him to give hannah a lift she has been spending the evening with me and the missus and is rather in a hurry to get home up with you nanny he continued sharply don't keep her mother or stevie will be vexed gills will drop you at the crossroads and then you will only have a dozen yards to walk and so saying he helped his daughter into the cart and with a cheery good night went into the forge hannah looked back at the lighted windows with sad yearnings she had left her mother crying bitterly in the chimney corner and exclaiming at her husband's hardness of heart let nanny bide with us the night she had pleaded you can see for yourself george that the poor lass is not fit to tramp the road in this darkness by the morning she will be rested she will bide under her husband's roof to-night returned george reed obstinately you are not but a fool nance 
to set her up against steve in this way don't we know to our cost that he has forbidden her to take the brentwood road and you would be keeping her the night but he treats her ill sobbed nance i have seen the mark of his wicked hand he would have struck her only deb markham put herself between them pish nonsense returned the blacksmith wrathfully it made him angry to think of nanny's bruised arm steve is a dour man and he was in his tantrums but nanny will come to no harm with him he is a deal too fond of her and then he had gone into the road to watch for gil warrell he will not let you bide nanny observed nance sorrowfully oh but they are masterful these men but mother exclaimed hannah piteously if steve will not let me enter and then she began to sob afresh nay lass he'll let you in fast enough and be thankful to do it and nance actually believed her own words but you must speak him fair and then george reed's voice interrupted them and before hannah could remonstrate her father had lifted her into the cart and the gray mare was jogging comfortably down the road End of section 13. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.